But now I'm going to invite the India team to come through, and they're going to, the India team to come forward. Uh, all those that are going, first, first the seven of us that are going, and just want to, we're going to take a few minutes each just to tell something about what it is that we're going to be doing in India. So I, don't be shy. Come on up here. And there, there, there are seven of us that are going to India. I'll move that out of the way. We don't need that. And uh, let's see, where shall we start? Well, we'll st we're going to start with me? Okay, so, so go back to that first picture again of, of Mission India. There it is. So Mission India Sunday School, I think that's over here. Hello, hello. Hi, I'm Sarah Ross. Um, and Pastor Bob mentioned um, we have the neat opportunity to serve and help feed um, kids that come to this um, school. There's about 300 of them, so that's one thing that we will be doing. Um, in addition to that, Andrea and I, um, this is Andrea Stout, um, Andrea and I are going to be, um, um, Andrea has some video skills and she's going to be helping to film um, some videos of, yes, some, we brought some props, um, some videos of um, what the ministries are doing over there just to be able to bring back for um, like website content and different things like that, so to share that with all of you, as well as pictures and different things like that. Um, we will also be um, sending out emails periodically um, to you guys. So if you'd like to receive emails about our trip and what we're doing, status updates, um, please write down on your white card and just write your email and that you would like to receive um, India trip emails. And we will be sure to get those to you. So we'll be writing those for you. And we'll also be connecting with the kids. Um, we're going to be bringing some balloons to make some balloon animals. So there's another prop for you. And then also in your um, bulletin today, there was a, an insert with uh, a calendar of how you can be praying with us. Um, these are specific things we'll be doing each day. Um, so if you'd like to pray along with us and know what we're doing, um, please take that with you. Thanks. All right, let's see who's next. I think the uh, pastoral training is next. So our, our church, are with Ray of Hope, we, we begin with the, the fascinating things that are going on there. One of the things we heard about was in, this one, in, in one of the towns, there are 50 pastors, lay, lay pastor evangelists that are going out and uh, yet don't have any, any uh, real Bible training. It's not that they don't, they don't know the Bible and they've read the Bible, but haven't had typical pastoral training of any kind. And so we begin to look around in that city and also in Bidar, what could be provided to them? And there's an outstanding, it's called a non-formal Bible training program. It's, it's Bible training for church pastors. And it's being done worldwide. It was initially started uh, to meet a particular need like this in Kenya. Let's I'm holding this microphone. I don't need that microphone. Um, I can talk with my hands easier now. The, the, um, a need in Kenya that then grew all around the world. And we, we found that the materials were already available and translated. There's already other partners in other cities cities already using this. So we've got resources to draw on. We've got materials that are already translated into the primary language in, in Bidar. And so we are establishing, Ray of Hope is establishing a, a pastoral training center uh, in the town or the city of Bidar. And we're going to be starting the first course in a 10-course program, and there are teachers there that are going to be starting that course with me, and so I went to training in order to do this, to be qualified with this partner to use their materials. I went to training in Atlanta, and uh, they have been to training in a neighboring city in India, so we're going to get together and we're going to figure out how to make this work in that setting together, and then they'll carry on the second week of the course after, after we've already come back, and then they'll carry on one course after another on a schedule that works 
works for their students and the teachers. And uh, within about a year and a half, or b b between a year and a half to two and a half years, they will have been through a full 10-course curriculum, both in Bible and theology, Bible study methods, uh, Bible communication, how to how, how, how to present messages, presenting the gospel, ministering to people, how to lead a church, and all this done within the local context, within their setting, rather than just a bunch of outside ideas being pressed upon them. So really exciting the opportunities for training. That's the pastoral training. And then some of the church con construction stuff. Yeah. As Papa, Pastor Bob said, uh, this is last week, and as of today, the slab is done. We have a roof on the church. And I thank our uh, church for coming forward and contributing money uh, so that we can finish this project. Uh, it will continue. It was delayed because of the rains. So when we go there, we'll be having uh, prayer meetings and uh, encouraging the uh, congregation. The unique part about this church is uh, a one in 10 people, nine are ladies, one person is men. So you can imagine in a house, a Hindu house, husband is still a Hindu idol worshiper, and the lady is coming to church every Sunday. So there is a very urgent and uh, earnest request that uh, our church takes time, as we are in India, to go on either fast or on your knees, I would rather say, Take time and pray for this church so that these men who are still hardened may melt and accept Jesus Christ as their savior. That's my request, thanks. Well, they said they needed an older woman to go on the trip, so. <laughs> Grandma reporting. Somebody to look after you too? <laughs> pastor was talking to the children and he said church there is a lot like church here. We're both serving the Lord Jesus Christ and spreading his gospel. But when you consider what it is that they live with on a day-to-day -day basis, life here is easier. It's much easier for us. And Paul spoke very um, specifically in Corinthians about those that came to refresh him. And it is my prayer that in going over um, we might be able to refresh that church as they labor so diligently and in such difficulty that we might be able to come alongside, encourage, and refresh, and pray with those women um, and encourage them in their faith. We're also gonna be spending the evenings going to village churches. There's a large church in Bidar, but uh, around the surrounding city, there's all these villages, and that's where the children come from that come to the hot, that go to the school and live in the hospital. We'll be going to the village churches, and if it's uh, acceptable for um, a Baptist to say that we're intending to have revival meetings, um, <laughs> we want to go and we, we really uh, pray that God will be there, and it will be a time of great revival and um, change lives. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to have the team come back forward. We want to pray as a church for the team, but first, the passage we're going to be looking at this morning actually tells us how do we pray for a church. So that tells us how we pray for this team and are going to these churches. So we're going to look into that first, and then we're going to step into what the Word says and pray that particularly for this 
team and the church in India, okay? So they'll be coming back up and the mission team with them when they come back up in a little while. As I was listening to the two microphones, I liked Evan's better. I think your microphone is nicer than mine. I'm not sure what that is. I feel a little big and boomy voice this morning. The, um, uh, as I was talking to, uh, talking to Raymond, getting ready for the trip, and um, I, I picked up along the way that this is one of those deals where when you visit a church, they ask you to speak. And you may not have planned to speak, but they're going to ask you to speak and to, and to give a message to the church. And I said, well, well Raymond, tell me about the churches. What, what, what might I, I, I bring? What, what direction shall I come from that's going to be most helpful as you know the churches better than I do? I'll just be getting introduced. And one of the things he talked about was the distractions that are around people, that uh, even folks that have been saved, they're easily distracted by other things, and they're easy, easily busy by other things that uh, coming to church and gathering together, remember some of the passages like out of Hebrews chapter 10, the not forsaking yourselves to uh, um, for, uh, the assembling together, but, but considering one another and, and provoking one another to love and good deeds, the body of Christ being the body together. And I thought, well, things that are important and things that need, need to be reminded there are the kind of things that are important and needs to be reminded here. It's the same kind of thing. It's like I told the children that, that a church so far away is going to be different and yet in many ways the same. In many ways the gospel has been working there and will be working there. The gospel has been working here and yet needs to grow here. The, um, I was at a pastor's prayer retreat, uh, as odd as, as, as the talk of revival might be in a Baptist church, as Jim alluded, uh, uh, that the fact that uh, CB Northwest pastors from, uh, from Alaska to Montana to Washington, Oregon, gather together for a pastor's prayer retreat for several days this week uh, also might be a little surprising to you, but it happens every year. And uh, one of the big things about this year is we got uh, some feedback. I'm, I'm actually serving now as one of the trustees for CB Northwest as a, as a church association. And so, so we're also given this, this, this feedback from a recent evaluation of our association. How are we doing? And the things that our leadership in the association does to serve the churches, how is that going? And uh, there, was there were many positives. Uh, things to be encouraged about, things that you're encouraged about in our churches that are also being replicated in other churches here around the Northwest. A lot of, a lot of good things going on. But the one thing he said was that we have managed to do the impossible as a church, as a church association. So, so this isn't Brush Prairie. This is all of our churches together, and yet it, it fits us too. We have managed to do the impossible, which is to be champions of overseas missions without being locally evangelistic. Now, that's interesting. We, we, we can be more conserving, preserving, safeguarding locally even as we are sending and, and, and supporting things overseas. Now, how did that happen? Well, in 1948, when our association of churches, our family of churches was founded, it was the, the overriding concern that led to this founding of this group of churches 
was the, um, the who do we send as missionaries and what do they really believe about the gospel became a problem in that era that people were being sent and funded by the churches as a whole who did not believe the gospel that you and I believe. They did not believe that the Bible really was God's word. And that was beginning to be eroded. And so this family of churches formed together in 1948 on that basis that we need to send people as missionaries. So the Conservative Baptist Foreign Mission Society was formed. And, and, and it, was a, it was probably the, one of the uniting values and a critical concern of that era. At the same time, World War II had just ended. So many of our young men in particular returned from overseas, uh, and not just in our CB churches, but in churches all across America, and they, they had seen the need. They had seen the need of a nominal, empty Christianity in Europe and what had resulted out of that in society. They had seen in the Pacific and Asia where the gospel had hardly penetrated. And they saw this urgent need for the gospel. So new mission agencies formed out of that. A lot of the mission agencies you're familiar with today formed out of those returning from World War II. And a whole new army of missionaries signed up for service and headed out to the foreign field. And so in that era, what happened is people that had a passion for evangelism, people that had a passion to see, for the lost to, to hear the gospel of Jesus, we sent them out of our churches. We sent them overseas. We sent them into mission, and we championed mission. At the same time, we so championed mission that at a time when our family of churches was growing up, we were emptying ourselves out of our strongest evangelist. So their passion went overseas with them instead of staying in our churches. So it's not surprising that today that we're in a place where we need to recircle. Evangelism is important. Telling people about the gospel is important to us, but not as, as important locally as it really needs to be because people right around us, close to us, near to us, are in the same desperate need of our Savior that we have. And, and it's not surprising as well. Let me talk older, younger generations a little bit. Our older generations grew up in that area and championed foreign missions and were caught in that movement, the greatest need of the hour. It's not surprising to us as well that the younger generation has reawakened and is seeing the need of being locally, culturally relevant, of connecting, thinking like missionaries into our local culture and the people all around us in ways that uh, perhaps my generation and older have, in a sense, taken for granted and not paid the same attention to. Because they, didn't, they weren't caught up in that initial forming that, that really focused us in one direction. So there's a balancing going on that's a very healthy thing. So everything that we know about foreign missions, we need to apply locally in Vancouver and in Brush Prairie, okay? As I, as I turn to the scripture, what was it, where, how was I going to talk about that intersection today? And what was I gonna say about, that, that would convey something about our trip to Bidar, our, our, our visit to India, and why are we going? How did that arise, and what are we going to find there? I thought the book of Colossians expressed it well in Colossians chapter one. Colossians expresses it well because uh, Paul is writing to a church that he didn't plant. As far as we know, he's writing to a church that he did not visit, but he's heard. I haven't been to India, and yet I've heard. And even that there's another connection there. He's going to mention a man named Epaphras who, who was from there, was no longer there, but was continuing to work very diligently on their behalf. 
reminded me of Raymond. So I might start calling Raymond Raj Epaphras. I hope that's okay, Epaphras. All right. So, so there were some echoes in this passage, and I thought, this is cool how this sounds something like our experience. So what is it that God is doing? Think of Bedar as, as I read this passage. In, in Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. If you're following along in the Pew Bible, you'll find us on page 983. Colossians chapter 1 from verse 3. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints, the things we've heard about this church, the things we see in some of these pictures, we want to see more of that. We want to be, how can we help? What could we, how could we get caught up in this and bring some of that back with us? That's part of my prayer. The love that they have for all the saints. Why? Where does it come from? Because of the hope that is laid up for you in heaven. Their hope in heaven has grabbed hold of their hearts and it's lived out now around them. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. That's why we're going to train pastors. The word of truth is, where, is what feeds and fuels that hope, which has come to you as indeed in all the world, not only there, but even as far away as here. They will be encouraged. They, in the same way that you're encouraged to hear of what's going on in India, because it, it, it'll sound different from a lot of what you see in the news and on media about horrible things that might be going on in places around the world. They, they get this view of America. People overseas get this view of America that looks like primetime television. Aren't you glad that, there's, that God is doing something here? And, and as, as we describe that there as well, they will be encouraged that their God, their Savior, is also same, saving and redeeming out of that horrible moral cesspool called the United States, as Hollywood presents us. Look what God is doing. Which that gospel among you is, as, is, as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. Epaphras told us about this. Epaphras told us what was going on, and, and that we had this unique opportunity. Our church could be intimately involved in something God is doing around the world, far from us, very different from us, and yet in many ways the same thing. The word of truth, the gospel of their salvation is planted in hearts, and it grows up in hope, and that hope lives itself out toward others in the midst of a world that's a mess, and people are being saved. From, from, from children to mothers and families and praying for those husbands. Some of them already, others coming soon. Doesn't that get exciting? Look what God is doing. If that's what God is doing, what can we do? We can pray. Verse 9, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray. He mentions Epaphras. If you turned over in Colossians to chapter 4 and verse 12, a couple of pages over, if you flipped over there, you would see that, that Epaphras has been faithful in doing the hard work. He has been working hard and diligently on behalf of the church in Colossae, though he's not there at present. What is he doing? He's praying for them. He's doing the hard work of prayer. Some of you wanted to go on this 
India trip. You wanted to see it yourself. You wanted to be part of it yourself. You, you couldn't go this time. Pray. We've given you that schedule. This is where we're going to be. This is part of what we're going to be doing. Sign up for those emails. Follow along and join us in prayer. Pray diligently that God will work there. Epaphras has been doing the hard work of prayer. This thing has, has captured, we've heard, it's captured our hearts. We've heard about a girl's hostel that was, that was in so, such poor condition in some places that families didn't want to send their girls there even though, even though they didn't have any choices. But the bathroom was such a wretch. And so through Ray of Hope, they were able to come in and they were able to change that. We do a new bathroom here. Everybody gets excited about it, right? Same thing there. It made a difference. Something tangible that we could do that made a difference for that Christian girl's school. Uh, Christmas dresses. They're being so thrilled that each girl in the school got a new dress at Christmas time. Seeing their picture captured our hearts. Villages that first rejected the gospel and would send away fleeing the, the, the one who would come as God's messenger and tell them about Jesus. Now the same village is majority Christian and gives a hero's parade to a group from our church in Ray of Hope last year that went and visited them. It's amazing. Look what God has done. We are merely a channel. We are merely a channel that God has used in some way in the midst of what he's doing there what can we do? What we can do from here, we can continue to pray, continue to lift up, continue to ask God to work at what's going on there. Not that, how, how do we pray? Look at verse, uh, continuing on in verse 9. We have not ceased to pray for you in this way, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Asking that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. We want to help step into that. We want to put feet to our prayers. We want to do something. We can, we can begin a train initiative that will continue there, that we'll continue to support from afar as they carry it out locally, but we can help them to open the Word of God and to know something about God's will. But to be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. But there's a particular key to knowing God's will. And this is the next step in what can we do then? It's get going. Verse 10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. You know, something that holds us back is that we don't think we know enough. We don't think we have grown enough. We don't think that we're ready to do a next step in whatever it is that God would have us to do, however he would use us. I don't know enough to go tell somebody else about Jesus because they might ask a question I don't know the answer to. If I know that Jesus died for me, if I know enough to be saved by faith in Christ, that I don't even understand how all that works, but I know that Jesus, the Son of God, came from heaven and died for me in my place, that my guilt is somehow taken care of by him, I've got good news to tell with others. I don't, I don't have to understand it all. We can, keep, we can dialogue together and figure out those answers, but I've got something that I can tell somebody else. So if you believe in Jesus, you have the essential of the message. We often think that I need to grow in order so that I can go. I need to grow. I need to know more so that I can tell others. We will actually grow in the telling. As, as If we're going to be followers of Jesus, how can we know him better without stepping in and walking along with him? 
How can we know him better without taking a step into some of his sacrifice? Some of his giving of himself for the sake of others. I will know him to the extent that I step into walking with him. The one who loved us and gave himself for us. The one who intentionally came to seek and to save those who were lost. And as I step into that, and as you even taste some of the rejection that'll come when you, when you, when you talk to somebody about your faith in Christ and they kind of throw it back at you, you are simply experiencing something of what Jesus himself knew and experienced. He knows that rejection. He's been there, and you learn something of him in the process that we won't. If we isolate ourselves, we protect ourselves, we sit back and wait, we will not know him, which is the, the essence of spiritual growth. We have not ceased to pray that they would be filled with the knowledge of him, filled with the knowledge of him by walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. We often understand a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him is, is defined by the things that we do and do not do. We fill certain squares and we maintain certain fences and that is holy living and God is pleased. Jesus was perfectly holy and absolutely moral before he ever left heaven. But there was a whole side of the character and nature of God that Jesus the Son could not make known from heaven's glory. The love of God. The, the passionate, sacrificial love of God was only displayed when God the Son would actually leave heaven and enter into the worst of humanity and bear it for us and die in our place. That's, and, and so how, how can I, how can I know him? How can I display, how can I show godliness without entering into his sacrifice in some form, in some means? How do I, where do I give myself away in the name of Jesus? And as I do that, I too show something. I am walking in a manner worthy of the one who gave himself for me. That's what it is. I want us to stretch our, our understanding just a little bit. To be clear, let me restate it. That, that for us to walk worthy, to live worthy of Jesus is not merely to be good. It is instead to walk sacrificially with him out of love for others who need God's salvation. That's what Jesus did. That's what's worthy of him. That's what I want to step into. Just a little more. I want to lean just a little farther in that direction. I want us as a church. What can we do? We can pray. What can we do? We can get going. We can walk worthy. We can live worthy of the one who loved us and gave himself for us. We can, we can love and give ourselves for others. But isn't that hard? Yes, it's hard. Jesus was intentional. Jesus, it says, set his face like a flint for Jerusalem. His mind was made up. He would not be turned back from it, even when his friends said, no, you can't go there. They'll kill you. When Jesus announced that, that, that he was going to die for our sins and the third day rise again, one of his own disciples, Peter, says, no, Lord. And he was so dramatic as to say, get thee behind me, Satan. Because his purpose was to lay down his life, even when those closest to him would, would seek to talk him out of it. He set his flate, face like a flint 
towards Jerusalem. He was very intentional about it. You say, yeah, that's good, but that's Jesus, not me. You say, Bob, I don't know. Maybe you haven't realized it yet, but I'm not Jesus. I've, I've realized that. I looked in the mirror, and I realized, hey, buddy, you, you, you are not Jesus. I, I, I know that. I get that. But, but it, isn't, it isn't about me. It isn't on me. Look at the next verse. Look at verse 11. How will we do this? How will we get going? How will we live in a manner that, that is worthy of, that shows off Jesus? Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. That's why, that's why we pray. That's why we need to pray because it isn't on me. It isn't of me. It's not from me or by me. It is his power in me, in you. By his power. We gathered out here. Pastor David led us in this whole, in this whole effort of down to this. He, he drove by there months ago, Fountain Village Apartments. He saw this new place going up and there was people moving in. And we need to do something. Well, he gathered us yesterday in the parking lot and uh, declared that he had asked for, he'd asked God, God, would you give me 25 people to help with this? And God gave us over 30. We thank the Lord for that. We ask God to do something. I'm convinced that the conversations I had with people, with parents out there at the apartments while their kids were running around um, playing games and grabbing candy, the conversations I got to have with parents were because we prayed and we asked and David led us in praying, God, would you give, uh, would you do something here? Would you move distractions out of the way? Would you give us entrance and connection to people that we might represent you well to them? And God did, didn't he? God did. God, God heard that prayer. We pray because it isn't about us. It's not our strategy. It's not our tactics. It's not what we are capable of doing. It's look what God is doing. And we can give thanks for that. Verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. I don't merit this. You don't merit this, but God has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. God has put us in a whole new place. God has given us a whole new standing. We still rattle around through life down here, but we are already seated in the heavenlies with Christ. We are already his holy ones, God's unique treasure and possession. We belong to him. Who will I fear? What shame will I be afraid of? giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. He has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom you have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And did you notice there it said us? God has not merely delivered. You know, I was a, mission, I was a missionary in Africa for many years. Julie and I, we served with a, with a broadcasting mission in southern Africa. For, we were 10 years in Africa. And people would often talk with us about deepest, darkest Africa. Like Africa is a very dark place. I sometimes would wonder whether, whether was there also just some racial un, over, undertones to that as well. We never, we never talk about deepest, darkest Europe. Spiritually, Europe is darker than Africa. And yet... We talk about, oh, what, what, what God might do there, what God would do there, what God is doing there, because that's the place where it needs to happen. We're waking up. Thank you, Hillary. Thank you, Donald. You have shown us something that is not where America is going. It's where America is. We went through a whole way too long primary season. Way too long. 
And these were the two that emerged. These are our champions. You say, well, I'm not crazy about it. Okay, I'm not either, but the country put them there. It says something about where we are. Thank you for peeling away a veneer that everything is right, that America is a Christian country. America is a, is a, is a whole other big pile of people that desperately need Jesus. And guess what? India's a long way from you, but America's real close. These people that desperately need Jesus, they're right next door. Oh, I want you to pray for Bidar. I want you to pray for India. Because out of praying for India, I want you to pray for Brush Prairie. It's not there or here. It's everywhere. Look what God is doing. What can we do? What can we do? Because of that, we can pray. We can get going and we will give thanks. Look what God is doing. I want you to be as thrilled of what the glimpses you see of what God is doing right here around us because it is just as miraculous that somebody would believe the gospel and be saved. That somebody would bring their family into our Sunday school as they would bring those kids into that one. It is just as amazing and God is doing it and you and I get to see it. You and I get to be part of it. You and I get to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this place that is is the ends of the earth from where the gospel started, much farther away than India, much closer to you, our mission, if you will, our Bidar. I'm going to go there and I'm going to ask them to desperately pray for Brush Prairie. We will pray for Bidar. They will pray for Brush Prairie. And we will see, and we will give thanks for what God will do. Now, in that praying, in that giving thanks, I'm going to ask the mission team to come back, come back forward here. I'm going to uh, ask the, the, um, the India team, rather. Our whole mission team is going to come and join them. And uh, there are several people there that wanted to go as well, but just uh, weren't able to do it. But they're going to send us as a team in prayer. And so I want them to just, just gather around and join us. Let's, we, don't, we don't want this to be merely a trip. We don't want this to be some activity. We want, we want God to work here. So is there a microphone here somewhere coming? There's a microphone. All right. So let's see. I think uh, Han is starting with that. Is that right? Han or Kathy? Kathy is starting? All right. I'm going to go over here. Okay, let's pray. (sighs) Father God, as a body of Christ, we enter into your holy of holies through the blood of your Son, and we thank you for the privilege that we can come before you and intercede on behalf of our brothers and sisters. And Father, because of what we hear of what's going on in India, their faith in Jesus Christ and the love that they have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for them in heaven. I pray, Father, that this team will get caught up in what is going on and bring it back with them. And I, Father, I ask that this team may be filled with the knowledge of your will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of you, Father. And we give thanks to you For you have qualified them to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And Father, in specific, I pray for my sad sisters, Sarah, Andrea, and Diane, so you can remember their names. 
the sad girls. And we ask, Father, that you would use them in a mighty way over there. Give them unity and humility. Help them to see needs that only they, as females, can meet, Father, and provide opportunities. Give them strength. In your name I pray. Holy Father, we just thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to uh, bring a team to India, Lord, and to uh, minister with uh, our fellow brothers and sisters over there. And we just pray that the Holy Spirit uh, would just be preparing a way for our India team and that um, that there be unity between um, uh, our team and their counterparts in India. And we just uh, are really excited about what you're doing there and the fruit that uh, there is there. And um, we just pray that uh, during that time, uh, over there that our team would be able to bring a, a long-term vision in terms of a long-term involvement uh, uh, with Ray of Hope and with what's going on in India, and we're just really excited, and we pray that while uh, they're gone, that we would be faithful in praying for them, um, and there's so many things to pray for that Pastor Bob mentioned, and um, we just want to rem remember the, the nine out of ten men that, that are not going to church with their wives and family, Lord. And there's so much work to be done yet, Lord, and, and yet we know that you're working there and that there's a lot of fruit, but there's also a lot of opposition, Lord. And just so we pray for protection for our team as well as the workers in India, and we pray that we would be faithful in continuing to pray. As Pastor Bob uh, mentioned, that uh, we need to really pray daily for, for what's going on and for uh, the opportunities with the India team as well as the workers there, Lord. And we just pray that during that time that during all that prayer, that that, that would change us, Lord, uh, in terms of how we um, live our lives locally, Lord, that there is so much work here to be done also. And we remember the the uh, evangelism seminar, Lord, that uh, our church came up with over 1,500 names, Lord, that don't know you that we know. And, and we pray that uh, in that spirit, uh, that as we send our India team off, that yeah. we would also be on mission here at home. And we just thank you for all these opportunities. Lord Jesus, we, we do dedicate, we do send this group out in your name. Lord, we, we want to be a house of prayer, as, as you said your house would be. And we do pray for them. Uh, we pray for their safety. We pray for uh, your Holy Spirit to be with them. We, we pray for sensitive hearts. We pray for... Um, your will to be done, Lord, in, in things that they can't even imagine, Lord. Would you use them? Would you uh, bless this time? Lord, we know that the church there is strong, and they're under persecution like we are not. Lord, would you, would you use them? Would you grow that church? Would you grow your body there? Lord, would you use us, this little church from Brush Prairie, to help in some ways, Lord, I pray that this would be only the beginning of things um, in India, Lord, and, and even beyond. Lord, that you would use this team, and we dedicate and, and we dedicate ourselves to pray for them. Uh, and Lord, we just pray for the Christians and the non-Christians there, the Lord, that you would prepare hearts, that you would use every member here. In Jesus' name, we pray for your Holy Spirit to really be present um, uh, and, and that they would be sensitive to you. And, and Lord, we just pray for your 
your uh, leading and guiding in Jesus' name. And Heavenly Father, the things that we pray for Bidar, we also pray, Lord, for our church and for the, for the ministry, for the outreach, Lord, the evangelism that you give to us. Lord, the people right around us, it was mentioned, 1,500 that we, we named and wrote down. Father, we pray that uh, you would use us in, in helping some of these take the next step toward faith in Jesus. Father, we, we pray for, we, we thank you for a Sunday school in Bidar that has 300 kids, and yet you have entrusted 200 kids into the Awana the Iwana ministry here. You, you have another hundred kids perhaps in our Sunday school and, and, and nursery and pre-K. Father, we pray that uh, these numbers would increase. That, Father, you would give us the privilege of ministering to children in this community and out of that to their families, just as we seek to do in Bidar. Father, we pray for the training uh, up of people from within this body to be able to, to uh, show and tell the word of God to others. We pray, Lord, for, for the ministry of women one to another that would um, strengthen how women are led and shepherded and grow spiritually. We thank you for those who are and that, that also would increase, even as we want to see there. Lord, the things that we thank you for there, Lord, we also ask you to do among us. Let us see, Lord, your hand at work. Show us the wonderful and mighty things that you will do. Lord, we give ourselves to you. We say, as we're going to sing, Lord, here's my heart. Lord, Lord, would you do your work in it? Would you do your work through us? We pray it in Jesus' name. And all who agree said, Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask those that are going to India. As we sing this next song, Pastor Evan described it to me, that this is going to be a song that we present ourselves to the Lord. So I'm going to invite you to stand as we sing that. Uh, the, the team going to India, just, just stay down here in front for this song. Let's sing this song together. And if you're led to just come up and put your hand on somebody's shoulder while we're singing this together. If you're led to in that way to pray with them for them, I encourage you to do that. Just kind of surround during this song right down in front here. I want you to have the opportunity as well just to come alongside and pray for your brothers and sisters in this endeavor. <laughs>